Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is a special episode. When I recorded this conversation, that morning I woke up with a perspective on the world. And by the end of this conversation, that perspective had expanded. It's an incredible conversation. And it's, it's one of our most unique and almost certainly the most profound episode to date. We are joined from Istanbul, Turkey by three guests, and they're all siblings, and they're all scientists. Miriam, Maya, and Mubashir Mansour focus on materials and metallurgical engineering, geology, mineralogy, gemology, and physics. This episode covers a lot of ground, including the culture of Istanbul, the information revolution, which will lead us to multiple other revolutions this century, quantum computing enabling infinite possibilities, why the world's first trillionaire will come from materials, and the importance of science communication to the general public. More and more, as I talk to scientists and engineers, I'm discovering that there's this gap between the scientific community and what's, what's happening and what the general public thinks of the world. And there seems to be a lot of need for science communication. But I am so excited for this episode. This is like, the whole time, I just have a smile on my face and my, my mouth is just like, my jaw is just like dropped. Just an awesome episode. You can follow all three. We have Miriam is on Instagram at scientific underscore voyager. Maya is on Instagram at inf- infinitely.creative.scientist. And Mubashir is materials underscore scientist. Uh, they are fantastic, wonderful people. They also have research papers that you can look up. <laughs> and it is so cool. I am so happy to have talked to these individuals. Um, so fun. So let's, let's just get into it. All right. Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is uh, a special episode for a number of reasons. I am actually, I'm not in my usual setup. I'm, uh, I'm in my friend Justina's, her place. So we have lots of plants and we have a lot of lighting. And uh, you guys will probably hear some, some like trains in the background. We're right by some train tracks. And we have a couple of cats that might make an appearance. It looks like Sonny is already lying down in view. Um, but I'm, ex- I'm excited for today's guest. We're doing like a, we have three guests today and we're going to talk a lot about uh, mineral engineering, uh, a lot of words that I'm unfamiliar with, but, but I hope to be more familiar with by the end of the show. Uh, all the way from Istanbul, uh, we have, now I'm going to get the names wrong again. Okay. Maya. <laughs> yes. Maya. Maya. Yes, yes. Mayam and Mo. Ah, I messed up. <laughs> you were close. You're so, close. Yeah. So my name's Mahia. Mariam. And Mubasha. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Why don't you guys uh, give a brief introduction about about uh, you guys and what you what you do? Sure. Actually, I'd like to begin with. Uh, I mean, we are all uh, siblings, so that's uh, very interesting. <laughs> we are all. It's very interesting. <laughs> yes. You guys are all like in the same field, and um... yes, exactly. 
So we are all gemologists and uh, we are all also uh, materials and metallurgical engineers. So that's yeah. very exciting because we are all in the same field. We usually yeah. talk about materials all the time. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you it's say materials, actually, I, I, when yeah. you say materials, what do you mean by materials? Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> yeah. Everything that exists yeah. is material. Yeah. That's the beauty of materials uh, engineering and material science. It's yeah. all around us. It's so uh, intertwined with who we are as a Absolutely. species that uh, it, it's just indispensable. I mean, uh, everything we are, every, every, everything that surrounds us. And everything, yeah. Everything exactly. is some kind of uh, material. material. Yeah. <laughs> There, wow. There's actually a very beautiful uh, book, uh, Stuff Matters, by, Stuff matters. Uh, who was the author? Uh, it was an Oxford professor. I've forgotten yeah. the author's name. But the, the, the book is really spot on uh, because Absolutely. it goes on about uh, the idea of uh, materials from a different perspective and talks about all of these different ages which uh, brought us where we are. Uh, wow. I think it's a very beautiful perspective of yeah, and uh, also it. Uh, I mean, it describes materials in a such a simple language yeah. that you don't have to be a materials engineer to understand uh, the different kinds of materials. So it's it's actually very interesting. We do recommend it very much. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Wow. <laughs> so that's that's a book to check out for sure. Before we get into all of this, um, I'm so curious about Istanbul. Can you guys uh, what like how long do you guys live there? What is the vibe like? Uh, it seems so enchanting. A lot of people I talk to, they want to go to Istanbul in their lives and visit it. I mean, if you haven't visited Istanbul once, at least in your life, you have missed out so much. In yeah, my it's so, so enchanting, as you've already said. So we have been here for about uh, seven yeah, years seven now. Years. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a very special city. It's a, a very magical combination of East and West. And, uh, you know, the city is already in two, on two continents. So uh, we have uh, we can, a bridge. We can, yeah, we can see the other continent right in front <laughs> <Wow>. of us. <laughs> it, and, and that's actually, uh, it has a lot to do with how the city behaves. I mean, um, from one side, it has got a very Asian feel to it. But on okay. the other side, it's right on the, uh, you know, uh, the beginning of the European uh, continent. So it, it's a yeah. very interesting mix uh, yeah. throughout history. I mean, just think about it. Uh, the city has such an immense contrast. We have sites which were built by the Roman Empire. <laughs> yeah, and then mm -hmm. next to it, we have a very new uh, skyscraper. Yeah, so that's interesting. It, it, it's a very historical city, but at the same time, a modern city, yeah. a metropolitan, and yet a, you know, sites where, you know, you can find yeah, uh, yeah. remains of the Constantinople still alive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. Yes, Absolutely. Wow. So, yeah. So what is that like on like a daily basis? Like, what are the people like and what, how does that relationship uh, work on a daily basis? The, the people, I mean, in my opinion, they are amazing. They are very, very friendly and uh, especially hospitable. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. And um, they're perfect. I mean, I mean, uh, we are foreigners here. So, yeah. uh, you know, as a foreigner, we have never felt uh, that we are in a Not foreign country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've okay. always felt at home. It's, uh, That's how hospitable yeah. they are. <laughs> Where are you guys uh, originally from? It, yeah. So, mother's side, we're from Iran. 
Okay. On your side, we're from Pakistan. So we're a combination of two very different cultures. cultures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's another story. But, uh, you know, uh, ever since we were, um, by the time of about high school, we went to Thailand uh, for some of our, uh, th- that's where we became gemologists. Yeah. And then uh, when things moved on a little bit further, we thought, okay, it's time to become materials uh, engineers. And we chose Istanbul Technical University. And that's what's keeping us here in Istanbul. Yeah. So wow. it's mostly because of the uh, educational facilities at yeah, ITU. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a great school, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I see a lot of photos of uh, yes. um, May- Mayhem. Right. Yes. Okay. Like in, in like. Um, Mary, by the way, it's it's. it's Mary. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. It's the same thing. It'll be yeah. a lot easier for this conversation. My name, yeah. The, the good thing about my name is that it could translate to any language. So yeah. it's in Arabic, it's Mariam. In Spanish, it's Maria. In uh, English, English Mary. Yeah. Mary. Yeah. I mean, it works. Yeah. Yeah. I see you guys. Uh, yeah, you're in the. Uh, what What are the scientific like? uh laboratory coats is that kind of the the term and a whole bunch of like mechanical things that i know nothing about (laughs) so um it's actually very fun i mean we we do experiments all the time we are in the lab constantly it's it's so much fun yeah oh getting back to istanbul real quick though like what would you say are the like sights sounds and smells of the city wow (laughs) so the smells are absolutely fascinating because the cuisine here is uh, quite rich and the delicacies are absolutely delicious so uh, if you walk across the street you'll definitely uh, get the smell of uh, kebabs and uh, (laughs) different kinds of chestnuts uh, uh, roasted chestnuts Nuts and uh, you will have the oh the Turkish great... coffee by the way yes yes, yes Turkish coffee mm. and then you'll yeah. have the the sense of uh, fresh uh, baked goods and yeah. then there is there is so much aromas going out in the <laughs> Actually, area. Yeah. Istanbul is very interesting in all of the cities that we have been to. Istanbul yeah. is very special in terms of uh, the number of restaurants by the <laughs> roadside. Yeah. There are just so many restaurants by the roadside. And that just gives the entire city a, it makes it a huge restaurant. Yeah, actually, <laughs> and, uh, it gives such yeah. a beautiful atmosphere. It's positive. It's a uh, very nice to experience. Especially uh, right across the Strait of Bosphorus. Yeah. So, uh, you know, by the way, there are almost an endless uh, array of uh, all of these different <laughs> scents coming. And then on one side, you have, uh, you know, when walking across the Strait of Bosphorus, there are always these um, uh, fishermen yeah. okay. who are getting their uh, fish yeah. right fresh from the sea. And then uh, they're, uh, you know, making fish kebabs right uh, there, right, right there. Spot. <laughs> and uh, that has a special, I mean, it's, it's such an uh, interesting, <laughs> just because even if it's just for the food, I highly recommend this to Istanbul. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So actually, the food is also affected by the geographical position of the city because, uh, I mean, you can see different cuisines uh, mixed up all together, forming a different new tastes. And uh, it's it's tr- truly inspiring, actually. Especially wow. for chefs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I want to visit just after learning about that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you look forward uh, to your visit. Yeah. yeah so, so if someone were to visit for like a few days, what would you recommend them doing? 
Well, there is so much to do. <laughs> a few days long yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so any anything you're probably into, I'm sure Istanbul has. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend the Rumeli Hisar. I mean, that that's beautiful. It's a, such an old landmark, and it's in the middle of the city, so it's uh, right in Bebek, I think. It's, yeah. Uh, it's very close to. It's like a, right in the middle of the city, so it's, it's got so much history. Yes. Actually, it depends on the kind of person who's visiting. If yeah. Istanbul okay. has it all, I mean, if you are into historical sites, I mean, like there, yeah. there, which there which I so definitely many have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there are so many palaces built by the Ottomans, mm. and then there are also, um, I mean, amazing landmarks. Uh, so many museums. So many Very museums. interesting museums. Yeah. Like, for example, if you're into gems or jewelry. Like uh, us, yeah. <laughs> then the top copies are right. Like the uh, that's the one of the palaces which is now a kind of a museum that yeah. uh, has all of these from the Ottoman, uh, Ottoman yes. from the Ottoman era uh, that has oh. all of these amazing jewels of the past which yeah. are there. So top copies are right, I think is one of yes, the top. Yes, absolutely. So that's got to be your your favorite one, hey, with all the gems in it. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> 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 but you know the interest the other side again you know Istanbul is full of a contrast so you know yeah. from one side it's that kind of a rich history but from the other side you know it's the food culture and then from the other side uh it's the uh, modern part of the city yeah. where you have all of these uh huge um, brand type malls and you know okay uh and it, it's all here. I think anyone you, you who's looking for... You can also find yeah. amazing natural beauties yeah. here. So there are so many botanical gardens uh, in, in uh, Atatürk Aboritomo. It's it's one of the most beautiful um, gardens I've seen. So it uh, has many different uh, species of plants. And um, it's I would highly recommend someone to visit when they're here. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And the city is very easy to uh, transport, navigate. navigate. Yeah. And uh, okay. I mean, there is the subway going all across the city, and then there is the I mean, Buses the public transport and, is pretty yeah, yeah, perfect. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then of wow. course, there's the the transportation through the sea. Oh, that's so yeah, that's uh, we have these ferry huge boats. ferry boats yeah. uh, going all across <laughs> from one continent wow. to another. <laughs> yeah, in just wow. five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's it's like one of the most unique cities in the world. For sure. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I'll Definitely. say so. Definitely. Wow. <laughs> Definitely. Well, then I guess transitioning now into uh, a little bit of science. What So what originally sparked your interest in um, mining, materials engineering, gemology? Uh, how did that all begin? Oh. <laughs> wow. That, that's a... Uh, that's a very long story. Yeah. So um... <laughs> I got time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Our parents are both medical doctors. So uh, okay. my father is a chest specialist. I mean, our father's chest specialist, and yeah. our mother is a, uh, a gynecologist. gynecologist. Yeah. Uh, for some time, uh, I mean, after they got retired uh, from their profession, they they found uh, gemstones to be a fascinating uh, field, and uh, then they started to uh, you know get into the business of gemstones as a hobby. Uh, over okay. time, it it turned into a little bit more than a hobby. And, uh, you know, one of the cap capitals of the gemstone trade is Thailand. And so we uh, went to Thailand okay. for about four years. Yeah. And uh, we were in this uh, very small town close to the uh, Cambodian border. It's the town yeah. of Chantaburi. And uh, that's where... By the way, you should yeah. visit there too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the most remarkable places on the planet because like more than 90% of the world's ruby uh, is, at least ruby, uh, is traded from that city. I mean, 
any ruby that you see anywhere on the planet, yeah. it's very likely that somewhere along its path, to... it was in Chantaburi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so really? It's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the, like the world capital of ruby and sapphire, I would say. Uh, so over there, it, you know, it's impossible to be there and not get a, a, acquainted. With yeah, it. not just a kind. I'm, I'm getting a huge passion. Yeah. For uh, for the gemstones and uh, our passion is ignited. <laughs> yes. So we we went into gemology, but then we realized, you know, gemology is such an interdisciplinary subject. From one okay. side, you have the gemstones and the art of jewelry making and all of that uh, rich art and geology into it. Uh, but then on the other side, uh, you have a lot of, uh, you know, physics and material science, again, into the subject. And mining. From and the other side, you have mining and yeah. ge geology. And, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much impossible to, you know, Separate pinpoint a specific field for gemology. So we thought, okay, uh, if we want to get deeper into gemology, we better get uh, you know, <laughs> ourselves acquainted with some of those yeah. subcategories of it. So that's uh, where our, you know, initial spark of uh, material science came. Because it's it's got a lot of material science in it as well. So we all started with material science here at ITU in Istanbul. And then I started to do an additional uh, degree in physics. Mehia did it in geology. geology yeah. Mariam in mining engineering. So... Uh, you're trying to cover it all. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's such a remarkable yeah. journey. I mean, uh, at least for us, it's a lot of fun because uh, every day we learn new things, uh, new ideas. Absolutely. And it's just a developing story as we go. <laughs> yeah. So That's yeah. Our did you guys all get uh, interested all at once? And, and you guys are like, oh, hey, yeah. we should... Yeah, you guys must be pretty close then, as far as like uh, you, are. you enjoy are. each other and yeah, yeah, very close. Yes, yes, yes. So you're like, okay, uh, I'll perhaps... I'll take physics. You you take yeah. gemology. You take <laughs> mining. That's just how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's pretty much how it happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was trying to do like a little bit of preliminary uh, research and. There's a lot of those different terms that I don't know much about. And, uh, um, you know, you have the, like the mining and then like the physics and then gemology and like how, how it all goes together. What, what would you say are some basic facts about your science and industry that everyone should know? Oh, this is a very interesting question. So, uh, you know, to make it a broader point of perspective, uh, let's look at it from the materials perspective. Maybe, okay. maybe we'll start with materials. Have a different, yeah. uh, maybe from a materials perspective, it's worth noting something very interesting. So let's look at, you know, the historical eras that we have had. Yeah, so they're for example, all divided yeah. into uh, dif different uh, material groups actually so there's bronze age iron age stone, stone age, age. So, yeah. look, it's very interesting we term our eras by the materials that was used at the time right yeah so uh now pe some people call this era like the silicon era like because you know, a lot eras. of our information yeah. based technologies are based on silicon but you know the interesting part is that so you know a logical question is how much of the materials world 
has been discovered to this day. So given that, the, you know, as we invent new materials, okay. uh, it has such a profound impact on our civilizations. Uh, so how, how much of a new developments can we expect going on? So how yeah, much has been discovered yeah, I mean, so there is, far? There is such a opening <laughs> yeah. for new discoveries that it's, it's incredible. Now, if you look at the periodic table and the number of combinations okay. of different atoms that could mm -hmm. exist, at this point, uh, the number of materials which have been discovered is something equivalent to approximately zero point zero and then follow that up by an additional 80 zeros and one percent so this is how much we know <laughs> we practically know, know nothing, nothing <laughs> about materials world well that's now, a fact that will humble this you is today oh yes definitely i mean we as a species we have no idea what is <laughs> yeah. possible yeah and what is out there yet to be discovered. And now think about the possibilities. Given that all of this huge civilization and that we have built around us mm -hmm. is just with that tiny, tiny yeah, fraction yeah. of 1%. <laughs> it's kind of scary. <laughs> it's scary and also exciting. exciting yes. I mean, so is that just what planet Earth or is that like outer space too? Everything included. Uh, okay. uh, I mean, there may be civilizations out there besides the human species who may have yeah, better maybe, knowledge, maybe. maybe. But yeah. uh, for our species, it we looks like yet. we uh, have we have no idea yeah. what's going on. <laughs> and you know, who knows? Maybe in the future, there may be additional materials uh, that could totally revolutionize the way we do things today. Absolutely. So, for example, in terms of energy, in exactly. terms of uh, everything, I mean, uh, energy consumption, energy production, the way we produce our materials, the way we use them, our technologies, everything can change. So it's a very, very uh, beautiful horizon ahead. <laughs> materials is really, I, mean, I highly recommend anyone who's interested in changing the world to consider materials <laughs> yeah, engineering. Yes. Definitely. Because materials there is engineer. so much to be done. Absolutely. There is so much to be done and so little that has been done yes. so far. And, wow. uh, you know, it's we are in a very interesting era, actually, from our perspective, yeah. at least, yes. because we are in the interesting times of being the first generations to witness yeah. a change in how we do material science. Up until today, if you look at, you know, you know, one might say, okay, materials engineering might be a new field, but that's not really true. I mean, if you look at- It has at, been around. <laughs> it has been around for a very long time. We just haven't called it materials engineering. Uh, okay. You know, the first uh, species of humans who were making tools, they were kind of materials engineers. Yeah. They were looking for different materials. And, you know, they, they thought- designing okay, They were designing materials for hunting, yeah. maybe. So that, that person was a materials engineer. It doesn't, they, they don't have to have a degree like to call them a materials yeah. engineer. Yeah. But, you know, exactly. So think about it like this. Um, up until today, a lot of this work has been done through experimentation. People have been doing experiments to find out what, how, I mean, they, they went to the lab, uh, they mixed X and Y and Z, and then they came out with product uh, X, Y, Z. And uh, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that, that, that had new 
properties. They documented yeah. those properties experimentally, and then it, it all went on. And maybe that material was useful in some areas. So they wrote an article yeah. about or it. Or maybe it wasn't. I mean, it's uh, just yes. a waste of time. <laughs> uh, but no, what's, what's changing now? Uh, the computational possibilities uh, that exist uh, pretty much now that did not exist one generation ago yeah. makes the uh, future of material science very different. And so very is this un unpredictable. very unpredictable? I was looking through uh, some of your papers. I think there was uh, I think there's like ten publications. Uh, you had yeah, a link on your yeah, Instagram. Probably. Yeah. And in the headlines, I saw oh quantum computing. I'm a little familiar oh. with quantum computing. Is that what you're talking about? Is like now the technology, like we can do way more, way quicker, right? Exactly. 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 So it just uh, consider this. Now, without doing any kind of experimental work. Without going into the lab at all. At all <laughs> you can just uh, model everything about the properties of a material right from the quantum mechanical perspective just by sitting on your computer and having your computer connected to these supercomputers yeah, who do your massive computations for you. Uh, but you just define the model and then the rest you know, pops out of the equations. And the equations will tell us what kind of properties these should combinations expect, yes. should give us. Yeah. And if that is an interesting material, only then we would go into the lab and start doing the experiments. That means I'm just speeds up everything. A lot. It saves time saves and money, right? Time saves a lot of resources. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And who yeah. knows what kind of uh, materials it would generate? You know, there may be experimental situations which would be impossible uh, to do. Yes. But since would from a computational incredibly high pressures exactly. or temperatures i mean that's very difficult to do in the lab so doing it computationally could it's possible of course and that would give us the idea of what we should look for in the experiments yeah. and that's a huge change in perspective because once you know what to expect uh, it's very easy to do it in the lab <laughs> yeah, so if you have no idea what to expect i mean it, it would become a, a huge uh, mystery, mystery yeah <laughs> So I think from that perspective, it's very important to know yeah. uh, that we are in a different era and yes. we are in a transition to a different era. Um, some people call it the era of atomic scale design. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a beautiful term. That, that's uh, especially true now. Yes, uh, yes, yes, absolutely. So I think uh, it's very likely that uh, maybe 50 years from now, uh, we would have materials which have absolutely no resemblance to the type of materials we use today. It's very likely. And that means a totally different future. And um, I mean, the technologies that could, I mean, the materials change everything. I mean, materials- Everything, it changes everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the technologies that we have that we are astonished by today would become so much better. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if for example, uh, if we had the material from 50 years from now, it would pretty much look like witchcraft. To me. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure about this. <laughs> As it has been the case so far. Uh, I mean, the materials which we use today uh, would be somewhat of a witchcraft to those who lived 50 years yes. in the past. Uh, but this is accelerating. So it's, it's really... It's an exponential um, yeah. growth. So we'll, we'll hopefully have much, much more interesting materials coming on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so that would be like... Um, Something I know. So I'm here in Chicago. And if you look at the skyline, you know, you have 
you can tell the different eras based on like the building material. And then all of a sudden you see kind of in the millennium, these glass buildings. And it's like, well, how, how do they, how do, how do they make that? How do they keep heat in? And what, like all the stuff. Now you're saying another 50 years from now, there's like, there could be other materials and the skyline looks completely different than what it looks like right now. Right. Absolutely. Definitely. For example, uh, there, uh, consider carbon nanotubes. Now yeah. it, it doesn't seem like a very, uh, you know, something that could be scaled yeah. uh, to construction industries at this very time, but there are experimental works and uh, they talk. So for example, assume you want to have so long a monument so that you want to, for example, reach the international space station with an elevator. So it, the so-called <laughs> space elevator instead of you know, using rockets. Uh, what's holding us back right now? Why can't we build a space elevator apart from the some engineering aspects <laughs> with wind, et cetera? Just there's a very simple problem, uh, which you know doesn't even make that uh, sensible. If you want to do it with the best kind of steel that's, that's available out here, um, and you want to have a pillar which would uh, you know hold that construction which goes all that that would be so heavy they would just deform that kind of a pillar and it it, it can't hold itself. Yeah. So, so again, the problem is in material science. Exactly. <laughs> so now imagine this: if you if you were to build a space elevator with carbon nanotubes, at least in theory, it makes sense. It's possible. <laughs> so uh, who knows? In the future, <laughs> we might have space elevators. Why not? <laughs> Uh, there's just uh, so much potential. Yeah. I mean, materials engineers will change the world. <laughs> I, I think I think the 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 limit is only a person's creativity, and uh, it can go uh, anywhere. The potentials are immense. Exactly. I mean, just like this fact that you're telling me has changed my perspective on the world from this morning to now. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so. So materials, yeah. <laughs> so now we can model. So our time and resources are now like infinitely like in our favor or more favorable than they were prior to this. Um, exactly. And you know, this gives two very interesting outcomes. Okay. The first is uh, we have no no idea uh, how accelerated materials research can generate uh, interesting new products. I mean, uh, we, we don't have any idea what kind of materials will emerge. We just know that this process of materials development will be highly accelerated. So uh, there is really, this is a golden era from my perspective at least, because uh, we are the first generation of uh, human species who is experiencing this transition. This power, this actually. Power, yeah. yeah, which did not exist before <laughs> us. And this exists now, thanks to the immense developments in the computer's uh, world. Uh, you know, no one, uh, the science existed back yeah. in the 1900s, early, even a little bit uh, like 1930s or 40s. Yeah. The science of doing these calculations existed, but the computers did not. <laughs> and now the computers- That changes a lot, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that changes a lot. Exactly. And it's something which is even more uh, amazing is this uh, transformations in quantum computers. So people are now talking about quantum computation. Uh, 
quantum, if these quantum computers become a reality, then what we are talking about today because will child's become play. child's play. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we would have uh, high school uh, kids with their laptops designing new materials. That's a possibility. <laughs> wow. So it's, uh, it, it would become like a game, yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> There's even a, uh, some people who are trying to advocate uh, these yes, sorts of uh, quantum chemical engineering ideas uh, for high school yes, students. Yes, educating high school students to uh, encourage them to understand these uh, subjects better, which is which would be great, actually. Exactly. I, I think that it's a very golden era for anyone who's interested in uh, uh, in making bold moves. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Some people even say the next trillionaires will be from materials engineering. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> you said trillionaires. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> it, it could be because uh, there is uh, there is this possibility that. Uh, so think of it this way: we have this massive industry, for example, which is silicon based. Anyone who comes with a very incremental development in the uh, silicon based industry design. Mm -hmm. uh, very incremental. That's just capable of maybe enhancing the CPU powers by a yeah, little a bit. bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then yeah. those companies will pretty much dominate the current, you know, all of this uh, silicon-related Industry, industries yeah. that we're talking about. Uh, now imagine mm -hmm. the next generation of companies, startups, who just, you know, totally abolish this silicon age and talk about the next generation of materials which would be capable of doing these quantum mechanical calculations or quantum or become the quantum computers and uh, you know that will be a totally different era and uh, the information age will be transformed <laughs> yes. once again uh, so wow and you know the most exciting part is that it's so close i mean we can feel that it's so close it's coming it's coming yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, okay. you know again returning okay. back to gemology yeah one of the candidates for this is diamond okay uh, diamond might be the next generation of yeah. our current silicon <laughs> that, yeah, that's if fascinating it would be the diamond era <laughs> that would be interesting wow so what what exactly is silicon I hear it more used in like tech startup communities, but like the material itself, what exactly is silicon? So silicon is a kind of a semiconductor. So what, what's, what's the it's idea? What, what is a semiconductor? It's not a metal and it's not an insulator. So it's in between. It's something in between. Yeah, in between a metal and non-metal. Like exactly. What's the difference between a metal and a non-metal? It's just that the capacity for the electrons in the material to be able to float around or not. I mean, if all of, if you have the atomic so bonds, band, yes, yes. exactly, such that all of your electrons are occupied, then the material cannot conduct electricity. So it becomes an insulator. Yeah. So, it, okay. you know, like uh, a piece of uh, wood, let's say, or maybe a glass, yeah. uh, you, you know, you okay. can't conduct electricity through it. it. It stops the current flow. Okay. But, you know, the interesting part about the metals is that they don't have this uh, fully occupied kind of electrons around. They have this sea of delocalized electrons. So electrons can float around as they want. Okay. So, you know, then th those become the category of metals. But there is a category right in between, semiconductors. or the semiconductors, yeah. which 
can conduct uh, electricity under certain specific conditions. Uh, these are really fascinating. So silicon is one of them. Uh, diamond is also one of them. Uh, these are very interesting because if you manipulate the material in a very specific kind of a manner, uh, then you can actually start to conduct electricity very, very precisely as exactly you wanted to conduct. Exactly. So by making some very specific changes, you could uh, get the result that we want. I mean, it's it's very easy to control. You so can make it I into am. a switch, <laughs> an electronic switch. And that's pretty much what the computer is all about. It's, it's, a, it's full of switches. Right? It's full of switches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ones, Zero it. ones, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so uh, that's pretty much what silicon is capable of doing. Okay. Making transistors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying that there, there could be potentially other materials that do that job oh, yes. better. Oh, yes, Absolutely. definitely. Uh, there, are, there is an almost infinite number of possible yeah. candidates. Uh, silicon has just been around for so long and it was reliable for so many reasons. But uh, it doesn't mean that silicon is the, the only, only option. material, yeah. Uh, so that's, again, one of the frontiers <laughs> of material science, looking for alternatives to these types of materials. What else could do this work of silicon better. in a more we'll efficient <laughs> way? Yeah. Uh, wow. So that's uh, exciting. <laughs> so is that, uh, we're talking about materials, and now we're kind of talking about like minerals in a way? like um, Actually, uh, we could say all minerals are a kind of material yeah, too. Yeah, so uh, okay. the distinction is a little bit uh, falls apart when we start to look at it from the perspective of material science. I mean, um, as long as it exists, it's a material. <laughs> 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 exactly. Huh. Even sometimes when materials don't exist, they're still a material. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, then we look for uh, situations where we could make it exist. Uh, then that's where thermodynamics comes in. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we change the temperatures, the pressures, and do all sorts of fancy things with it so that it becomes <laughs> uh, stable enough to exist. Uh, then we know only that it would exist computationally, but then we would make it a reality. It's, a, it's pretty much, uh, I think, what witchcraft looked like in the, <laughs> in the exactly. Middle Ages. Yeah. I, I mean, like I mean, alchemy magic, and stuff. So, yeah. Huh. Wow. So like how many, how many, uh, around the world, like how many people are like actively working on this type of stuff? Uh, Rich, we lost your connection for a little okay, while. Yeah. Uh, could, could you yeah, so um, um, how do I explain? How do I ask this? Um, so, like, this seems like a very profound thing. Are there a lot of people in the world actively working and researching on these these different things? Yes, oh yes, yes, yes. Okay. yes. I would say hundreds of groups, if not thousands, across the planet in all sorts of different universities but i would still say there are not enough people yeah. working on it i mean uh, there should be more uh, energy and, and uh, more yeah more uh, people put into it because every mind is uh, creative in its own way so uh, i would say anyone with the um, 
the passion of uh, cre uh, creating different materials or working with materials should, uh, you know, put in their energy, put in yeah. their creativity for uh, for maybe a better future. <laughs> Maya is right. I mean, this is a creative process. Uh, it's not. It's it's very much like a work of art. Yeah. Uh, okay. No two people will come up with the same exact material. Yeah. Uh, it it really depends on how you think on how you uh, look at the world of uh, materials around. It's, it's very much similar to cooking, I would say. Look, <laughs> you, you know, you go into the kitchen, yeah. you have a bunch of constituents, ingredients, uh, ingredients yeah. with which you, uh, you know, make your food. Uh, it's pretty much the same way. You, in this case, the constituents are the periodic table, um, oh, the oh, elements element. in the periodic table. <laughs> yeah. And it's all based on your imagination. So even if you're using the same elements, uh, you could create all sorts of different combinations with those elements. Uh, and that and could also, be, you the know. the way you cook them would oh, also yes. affect their property. The, for taste. example, the taste <laughs> of that. So Look, no two chefs will give you the same food, right? Yeah. So it would take really uh, yeah. special skills to come up with that exact same taste. It's exactly the same thing with materials engineering. No two materials engineers will give you the same material. <laughs> if they're you know, making it from scratch. And uh, there is no uh, established way of doing it. So, you know, uh, in case they're need... being creative, of course. Of course of, if yeah. there is a standard, then of course, uh, yeah, they'll yes. have the same thing. But uh, <laughs> when we're trying to be creative, I mean, the possibilities are endless. So, I mean, is this like. And the other doesn't. So. <laughs> is this like putting, putting different uh, uh, combinations in the quantum computing and then seeing the results and like that's the creativity you're talking about is like it's exactly okay exactly yes and it also translates into the lab so for example okay. imagine even if someone is not engaged in the computational side but just the experimental side uh, it really depends on that person's intuitions and yeah. the creative process of that particular person uh, for how to come up with the next materials which would be uh, fascinating. Everyone has their own method. I mean, there is no right way of doing this. Yeah. Uh, it, it's all uh, dependent on how the person thinks and feels and uh, approaches <laughs> materials exactly. engineering. Uh, so Mehia is right. I think we would need as many people as possible uh, because every mind will come up with their own uh, formula. I mean, everyone next, has, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone has a different intuition. And uh, once they follow that, different outcomes will, of course, uh, be possible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we should be embracing the uniqueness everyone has uh, because it's it would bring out so much uh, interesting things into this world that I'm, uh, I'm, I'll be, I'm, I'm truly inspired by that, actually. Wow. <laughs> so something I'm curious about, and I think a lot of people are curious about this, they see this, uh, you've mentioned information age in, in this conversation, and we're talking about technology, quantum computing. People are wondering, like we're, we're, we're in this kind of revolution of a time, people believe that there will be like less jobs and less things for people to do. But what you're saying is that we actually need more people even though we have capability on computers that uh, we've never had before, how does that equate where our technology is even greater, but we still need more people? Uh, okay, this is a very good, uh, good question. Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, 
maybe uh, Mehia and Maria will have additional inputs uh, uh, on this. But my personal point of view on this topic is that uh, as the technological frontiers are expanded and the uh, you know capabilities with the robotics and all of these increase, sure, uh, the current job market for the human species will shrink. But this does not mean that uh, the, uh, okay, so I, what I'm trying to say is the, the, the current job market yeah. will shrink, <laughs> but new jobs are emerging. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a very good, uh, uh, you know, direction that the human species is following because uh, there are these mundane jobs uh, that we do. Uh, for example, you know, just imagine uh, someone doing uh, a, a, something that a computer or a uh, or Automated, a machine could do. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Doesn't that make? Isn't that a huge waste of uh, human creativity? creativity yeah. uh, I would think so. Yeah. But, you know, uh, the computer will not be able to replace that creativity. That's a human touch. But if we were able to uh, free that mind. Uh, from, you know, they do that job because of the burden of having to have that income. Yeah. But if that computer or, or that robot can replace them in that particular job and they refocus their attention on the side which still needs their uh, creative side, yeah. uh, then that, that balance is actually quite uh, equilibrated. So one of those, uh, for example, areas where humans will, I think, increase in uh, population as a whole, uh, as the job, the current job market shrink will be in the research and the creativity side. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it doesn't have to be a technological research. It can also be the arts side. So yeah. uh, the human creativity will That's expand. something that, the, I mean, the human creativity is something that the computers cannot replace, no matter how far yeah. along we, we get there. I mean, it's, it's impossible. The human touch is something else. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that crazy? So how I, the I computer gets that, uh, greater yeah. and greater, yet humans are the ones that run it, right? We're the ones that program it. We're the ones that tell it what to do. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That will never change. I mean, uh, regardless of how many sci-fi movies come out, <laughs> computers take uh, yeah, over the yeah. World. that's not going to happen <laughs> yeah. so easily. Uh, I, I say so easily because, uh, sure, there might be one evil scientist somewhere doing it, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it would be very, very unlikely. Uh, <laughs> the probabilities yeah. are lower, yeah. I, so, I think uh, we yeah, have to embrace the uh, technological revolution. I mean, coming. because the innovations that uh, will be brought about with creativity are uh, so much more different than what can uh, be done with computers only. So uh, human touch is necessary. And we are wasting everything. so much of the human ingenuity yeah. Yeah. In, our, in these mundane uh, works that we have yeah. to do at this moment. But imagine if uh, we have an energy revolution, if we have a technology revolution as it is going on uh, a world where ro robots take over all of those mundane activities yeah. and the humans uh, become you know the uh, free species which can actually sit down and start uh, doing what they enjoy yeah. 
It doesn't yeah. have, you know, it can be anything. Yeah, it doesn't have to be scientific. No, no, at all. Not at all. It can be all. art. It can be music. It can be uh, whatever, whatever makes whatever, that yeah. person uh, wake up in the yeah. morning. <laughs> if we really embrace those things that we enjoy, it will be a different world. It will be a happier world. I mean, naturally, when one does what they love, they do it perfectly. They do it great. I mean, but but when you do something that you have to do, oh, you yeah. just do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was this uh, beautiful caricature about. Uh, I, I don't know who the author was, uh, or maybe it was Einstein who said, I don't remember. But it, it, it was something like this. You, you can't judge the capacities of a fish uh, by, you know, making the fish climb a tree. Now, that's yeah. not what the fish does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the current educational system is unfortunately designed such that it, it should produce these uh, workers for the mundane activities. That's yeah. what the majority yeah. of the educational system does. Yeah. And that's not, uh, you know, working for a lot of people. And, it and it's, it's actually not fair to the individuals because yeah. they lose yeah. their individuality. I exactly. Uh, they, I love the worlds of uh, the late uh, Ken Robinson uh, on, on education in this regard. He, he was such a legendary person, I think. Uh, it was a great- Ken class. Robinson, he was like uh, creating innovators or- Yeah. He was, yeah, exactly. okay. So in education, he was a big influence, right? Exactly, yes, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. I, I truly believe that if his uh, views on education get embraced uh, internationally, it would be a different world. <laughs> wow. True. Wow, there's so much to uh, think about right now. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So you, you guys have these ideas about the potential of the human species and technology how do you guys apply that philosophy and perspective on a daily basis and what you guys are working on? Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, yes. do you have our voice? We, we, we got all this connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I can hear okay, you. Yeah. Okay. okay. I might so, have just like uh, stared like a statue. Oh. I was just waiting. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not so sure what's going on with the internet. Today. Yeah, it's, it's a, a bit, bit slow. slow. <laughs> I mean, uh, we are like on opposite sides of the world right now, too. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. We need better materials for better internet. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are the materials as near as when we need them, yeah. right? <laughs> but I'm going to blame this on the computer's engineers. Yeah. That's what we do. When things don't work, we blame other engineers. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this, uh, I don't know. I mean, we try to be as uh, original as possible in how we perceive uh, the materials engineering process, the, the, the discovery process. Yeah. Um, there are no right formulas. Uh, every day is sometimes, you know, you get the intuition from the most strange thing. Uh, mm. Let me give you an example. There is this uh, interesting Huge. I mean, today it's a huge idea, the dislocation theory of materials. Uh, so it, it depends, it, it really relates to how uh, the atoms glide over one another and uh, okay. they create this uh, uh, deformation po process process. So you see, we can, uh, you know, bend deform, the, yeah. bend the metal or yeah. something like that. That's, okay. that's uh, inherently, it has got a lot to do with the dislocation theory. Now, uh, I mean, dislocations are uh, to say imperfections. Words, simply, yes, yeah. imperfections, imperfections in, the, the in the atomic world. Okay. Uh, the person who actually, the scientist who came up with the idea of how this, uh, this was happening, the th theoretical world was by looking at carpets. 
So, you know, really? uh, yeah. He, so he was looking at these carpets. So, you know, you can, if you want to move a carpet, it's very difficult. Imagine to a do very it. big carpet. Yeah. yeah. So what you yeah. do is you can pull up one side of it and you know, create a ripple and then you can just easily glide it over. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's what he saw a couple of times. And then he came up with this yeah. dislocation theory. He said, of, okay, maybe this happens in the crystals too. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually what really happened. Yeah. So, wow. so, you know, inspiration can come from anywhere. It's, uh, it's all around us. Yeah, we yeah. just have to uh, look and be original. Don't try to, uh, you know, keep ourselves confined to the uh, grand scientific process. I think that's too, <laughs> yeah. uh, too uh, yes. boring. Yes, yes. True. Yeah. What oh. we usually do for our research is uh, we, we focus on different materials of interest and then we analyze their defects, yeah. let's say. And then uh, we also uh, see how these defects would uh, in turn uh, change the properties, optical, magnetic, and other mechanical properties, and uh, see if those properties are desirable or not. So, or even uh, if it's actually worth to work on that yeah. specific uh, combination of the material. If exactly. not, we move on to another thing. So yeah. there okay. is also one thing that we should establish, uh, the term defect. So Mubashir, would, would you want yeah, to? So, Mehia so, uh, mentioned, we, we work on defects. Now, what does this mean? Um, we, we mentioned a material. So for example, material is anything that exists, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but think about it this way. Let's say we have a piece of uh, copper metal. If we look at this uh, copper metal with a great uh, uh, magnification, such that you know we could pinpoint every single atom, uh, then what happens, actually there are such microscopes which are able to do this, like the transmission electron microscope. We can yeah. see each atom one by one. <laughs> uh, now, if, if we looked at those atoms and we uh, realized that one of the atoms, so they have to be, for example, in this straight line, but then one of these atoms in, the, in, in this line is misplaced mm. or is missing. And it creates a disruption in how the rest of the atoms are arranged. So that's a defect. Okay. So, you know, inherently, when we talk about a defect, it, it has a negative connotation, right? It's scale, and it's not yeah. usually yeah. Uh, very much... Uh, so most of the actually time. Actually, yeah. an abnormality in the crystal structure. So any kind of abnormality would be considered a defect. Exactly. So it can be okay. like uh, just a single atom missing, or it can be a bunch of atoms being totally, you know, behaving misplaced, in their own misplaced yeah, or way. Or even another atom misplaced in, into this uh, line of different atoms. Yeah, for so example. So there are so many yeah. different, like, substitutional. Yeah, yeah, so it could be, for example, an iron uh, coming, an iron atom replacing one of those carbon atoms. Uh, I mean, the copper, copper, copper atoms, atoms, for example. Yeah. So that would be, a, again, a different type of a de defect. So all of these are defects. But why are we interested in defects? Now, um, <laughs> interesting part is, in material, in, in nature, and also in the lab, it doesn't make a difference. In, in our universe, with the current laws of physics and chemistry and everything, uh, and thermodynamics, most importantly, uh, it, perfect materials can never, ever, ever exist. You really? can never have. You're talking about in human nature? Not then, just, it's, it's, it's well beyond the human Or the nature. natural world. It's yeah. the natural yeah. uh, consequence of the physical world okay. that it is impossible to have material which is perfect. Yeah. 
And by perfect, I mean every single atom is very straightly aligned and exactly, uh, exactly it's as it's, uh, you know, the pristine, you know, kind of a uh, crystal. That's not possible. Why is it not possible? Uh, from a thermodynamic perspective, okay. if you have these defects or imperfections, then the uh, formation of that material becomes more likely. So from an energetic perspective, it is pretty much impossible to have a material which is perfect. Yeah. These defects yeah. always exist. exist and they are encouraged in the material <laughs> through all of these natural uh, laws of our universe. So uh, this has a consequence. So, you know, we, we, we think about defects, even the term defect, it has a very negative yeah, uh, impression. impression. It's like a yeah. defect, you know, we, we, want we don't want a defect. <laughs> Uh, but the interesting part is that a lot of the material's properties come from their defects. We talked about silicon mm. just a while back. We said that, you know, we do something with the silicon so that it conducts electricity exactly the way we want. What do we do with it? We, we create defects that we like. <laughs> so there are different types of defects. Uh, some of the defects uh, do our bidding in the material <laughs> and really? create the specific property that we are really looking for. In fact, this is so, um, so significant that we can confidently say majority of materials properties are not necessarily from the material itself, but due to defects. its defects. Yeah, exactly. It's a combination of these that creates the material properties. Exactly. So let's, for example, uh, imagine something from the world of gemology. Uh, you know, a ruby is red, right? Mm -hmm. Where does it get its color from? It gets its color from a defect. You know, it's that defect which makes that gemstone value. Pigeon, yeah. Red, pigeon yeah. blood, red color that we love. <laughs> yeah, so this is very interesting. And that, that's what makes defects interesting so in, in general. Case, in case the crystal was pristine and without any defects, it would be colorless. So it yeah. wouldn't have that natural beauty that we uh, so much adore. <laughs> yeah. So. Now, uh, going to the quantum computation <laughs> world. So, for example, people are talking about uh, diamonds as a replacement for the silicon. Uh, um, as you know, potential quantum computers. Uh, how do those? How do those? Uh, you know, become uh, diamond as, as such is not capable of any kind of, of this course. sort of activity. Yeah. Again, it's a defect which is making the diamond interesting for quantum computers. What kind of a defect? A nitrogen replacing a carbon atom, and then one of the uh, kicking out one of the carbon atoms. So the so-called <laughs> NV center. Uh, so if, if that center exists, then it has the potential for becoming a quantum computer uh, kind of a chip. Uh, but again, wow. it's all about defects. A lot of what happens in materials engineering is not necessarily making new materials. It's all about advancing the advancing parts. the properties yeah. through defects, yeah. playing with the defects. I, I can't help. Defects, uh, uh, I can't help yes. my mind wandering into like the idea of like dating and relationships when you're talking about defects and there's no yeah. perfection. It's about making the most of the defects and the properties that you have. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Actually, Actually, it's a very, very nice point that you pointed out. Yes. So it uh, applies. I mean, yes. It, you know, there, there is no such thing as there is no such thing as a perfect material. There is also no such thing as a perfect human being. 
There I, I, think, no I think there is a very deep inherent yeah. uh, law of nature about this. Yeah. Actually, we love we love this uh, this uh, sentence that uh, there are. I mean, there are perfect imperfections because yes. every imperfection brings us uh, so much uniqueness, so much perfectness into that uh, being. Let's say that it would make it so much unique, so rare. Uh, therefore, it, it should so, be embraced. Yes, 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 yes. Embraced. exactly. Yes. Just as there are these defects in material that we <laughs> so much adore and like yeah. to create, yeah. it is also those defects, and I think in in the human nature, yeah. which make each of us individuals an individual Special. of uh, unique, unique capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, yeah. It, so it's it's yeah. really not fair. I mean, to put everyone in a framework. I mean saying that this is perfect you have to be like yeah. this. so that's wrong yeah. i mean you yeah. can see that from material <laughs> science so we can I gain more from people's defects and properties and uniqueness right oh, yes exactly exactly, exactly. Yeah. it's all about um tailoring yeah. those defects such that they are becoming advantageous uh for the purpose of whatever it that we're after uh, so, you know, it's all about defect engineering. Uh, yeah. We love this term, <laughs> defect engineering. I think it applies not just to materials, but also to the human nature. Yes, yeah. exactly. uh, just right. as much. It's really a very deeply philosophical, uh, yeah. philosophical yeah. perspective, maybe. But uh, I think it has got a lot of relevance uh, yeah. as to the materials world and the, the nature of our universe as such. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's certainly something to uh, grasp, think about. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. So we love this term. Uh, you know, even in the in the thesis that uh, we were writing together uh, a while back, uh, we had this in the in the cover yeah. page. We seek perfect imperfections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do as materials yeah. engineers. I mean, uh, we always look for uh, imperfections, which create the perfect properties. So it's not like we can ever get rid of those uh, imperfections. It's, and it's neither uh, desired yes. because if we get rid of those imperfections, the we entire lose, purpose of that material you know, diminishes. <laughs> so it's, it's the same with the human nature. If we want to remove those imperfections uh, from someone, uh, then it would be you know, a totally different person. Uh, yeah. it, it, maybe it's not the same person who we loved. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, What's something you guys are curious about? Wow. A lot, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> so something you're curious about recently. Oh, oh okay. So wow. I, there are a lot of new technologies that we're interested to get into. <laughs> yes. But, you know, there is something that I'm really uh, fascinated by, and it's the uh, perovskite technology. So, you know, uh, Imagine this, we, we have these solar, solar panels mm -hmm. and uh, they create uh, energy from the solar power and the, uh, they're very green. They have all of these uh, possibilities for enhanced uh, efficiency and limited greenhouse emissions and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, great source of uh, power, uh, energy, but it, it's very expensive. So yeah. installation yeah. is expensive, the efficiency is limited. And that's why we still use coal or natural mm -hmm. gas or all of these nuclear or so on and so forth here and there. The perovskite technology is a new class of materials oh, it's, it's which might change things. 
So imagine this. Just think about it. Uh, how, you know, how do you spell that? Perak, perak, per, uh, perovskite. So it's uh, perovskite. P R O V S K I T. Perovskite. I think something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, imagine this. Uh, how cheap it is to uh, to uh, print a newspaper. Mm-hmm. It's really cheap, right? So yeah. printing newspaper is so uh, inexpensive. So what we could possibly do in the future is instead of using the regular ink that is used, they would use that perovskite-related ink and uh, create not newspaper, but you know the paint that uh, you would use for maybe painting your buildings or maybe you know oh. on the surface of asphalt or um, anywhere, and that paint would actually be your next generation solar panel. Yes. And uh, it, in the past, it has existed for quite some time, but in the past, it was very limited in terms of its efficiency. Now it is coming to the point that it's almost becoming a significant rival of the present day technology because of all the research that people have yeah. uh, put into it and they have you know, optimized it further and further. And there are claims that it may even go beyond the current solar technology. So who knows? We might have a next generation of solar cells, which are very similar to to newspaper printing. (laughs) Again, it it comes back to our initial discussions. The next 50 years, the materials are then totally different. What do you guys think about the next 50 years? Like, uh, how excited are you? so excited <laughs> it, it will be different but you know it i think it's impossible to comprehend what it's going to be like uh at least i can't comprehend yeah. it i mean it's 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 incomprehensible at this time there's so much going on and it's uh at i mean fronts, imagine 50 years back uh, if you if someone looked to the future, their their uh, imagination uh, might have been quite different from today. Uh, but the rate of ac- accelerating and finding new, uh, dis- discovering new things is much, much more today than it was 50 years ago. So yeah. the, the rate, has, the rate changed. has changed. So yeah. we will be observing so much more change. And uh, as Mubashir said, I mean, it's incomprehensible. <laughs> True. Yeah, the compounding that I think time technology. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Something that I think would maybe make it a huge leap forward is if uh, we get an energy revolution. Yeah. So you know, okay. in the we past need we need that. Yeah. In the past we have had an information revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the last revolution is the exactly. information revolution that that we're in right now. Exactly. Uh, and now, now with technology compounding in our lifetimes itself, it used to be like, what, hundreds of years, thousands of years between revolutions. And now we're going to experience revolutions in our lifetimes over and over. <laughs> yeah, true. You yeah, think the energy true. revolution is going to be soon? I, I, I definitely think so. Because there, there are two different fronts uh, which are you know, going on. One of them is, of course, this kind of a, a renewable source energies such as the perovskite and so on. But there is also the fusion technology. Yes. So uh, okay. that's, okay. again, a, a huge uh, step forward. So that would be equivalent uh, of, you know, using a glass of water to uh, maybe power a city for one month. That's the kind of technology. <laughs> it would be free energy. 
you know, yeah. just as we have uh, free information at our fingertips now, at yeah. least for the consumer, uh, you know, imagine what would be different if we had free energy. I think uh, in the I, past, the world as we know it would change. change. Yeah. A lot of the wars would, you know, go away. Yeah. Lots of things would change. Uh, yeah. it, it would be a happier, better world. <laughs> better world. <laughs> More relaxed. <laughs> yeah. Very chill world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can hear those words backfired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like... Um, I feel like for a lot of people... You know, we're talking about all this change and we're talking about revolutions and stuff. Um, but if you haven't like prepared your mind for it, it can seem incredibly daunting and scary exactly. to a lot of people. How do we how do we communicate better the the beauty that can come from this and how we can all benefit from it? How do we communicate that better to other people? I think that's the challenge of science yes. communication. Yes. So okay. uh, it's a huge challenge. And uh, I'm really thankful for people like Carl Sagan or like Neil deGrasse Tyson oh, yes. <laughs> and the likes of them who are really uh, uh, trying to, yes, to uh, pop culture. Pop culture yes. yeah. So okay. I, we are huge fans of Star Talk. For oh, yes. We need <laughs> more of those shows. <laughs> of, of what ones? Star Talks. You know, the Star, Star Talks? Talks? Yeah, 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 the Neil deGrasse Tyson's show. Uh, yeah. the star okay. talk uh, you know where he connects all of these advances in uh, science to the present day uh, pop culture and how uh, interconnected these changes could be and how the future could look like I think uh, that's a very positive move and um, I mean the, you're absolutely right I mean right now the communication between science and uh, everyone else scientists mm -hmm. and the uh, other people, it's, it's, it's non-existent. In my and actually, you know, there, there is this uh, problem with the scientific world, and that is scientists themselves are not necessarily the best communicators of oh, science. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they're busy people. You think so? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're busy people. They're in yeah. the lab. They, some yeah. of them even, uh, unfortunately, think of the science communication as a non-essential uh, part of their job. They don't think that it's their job. Uh, right, so they're there to do the science. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there is no one in between who would do that. So that's where science journalism comes in. And that's really crucial. And uh, we need people who are really into that field. <laughs> I think uh, science communication is very important. And it's very poor right now. And it, it, and it has huge possibilities. Just yeah. think about the number of uh, students in the high schools who might be Inspired you know, inspired by these, yeah. into moving towards the STEM yeah. fields. Yes, they have this unfortunate feeling that the STEM world is, you know, difficult. Maths. I mean, especially, especially yeah. for girls. I mean, currently the percentage of women in STEM is so low that it's devastating. Yeah. And yeah. It's really I've, I've even, I mean, uh, in uh, Italy, we have about thirty percent of students who are uh, girls, yeah, yeah. females, and uh, in I've heard from friends that there are universities where the the girls are about fifteen percent. So that's, that's half scary. of what we hear. <laughs> that's really, a major really, problem with yeah. these yeah. Uh, STEM related fields, so, and uh, it, it it has got a cultural issue behind, and it's not just limited to Turkey. I mean, it's a global yeah. problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, there is this uh, issue that uh, you know. We don't uh, push for the STEM fields, mostly because 
people, uh, I mean, students, then in their, their high school or uh, earlier, even they somehow, school, yeah. even in middle school, they become disenchanted with the natural world, with the sciences, uh, either because they had a teacher who was not able to convey the beauty of it, or maybe they just, yeah. you know, uh, got sick one of the, those essential <laughs> days, they missed some things, and then yeah. that just, you know, c- compounded, and, uh, you know, they yeah. somehow, you know, fell out of uh, love for science because of a few, you know, silly bad grades, <laughs> which meant nothing. I mean, so it's really uh, a problem with education. Usually best scientists have really bad grades in school. Yeah, there was this uh, very interesting post that uh, I I saw from uh, the Nobel Prize Committee a few days ago uh, on their Instagram page. And it's, uh, I don't remember who the Nobel laureate was, but there was this note from uh, their teacher teacher, back then they were in school and uh, they were very mad at them and they wrote that nothing will come of uh, this person and yeah. he was really bad at uh, the subject so he shouldn't pursue science yeah. he wants to become a scientist what a crazy idea it was something of this sort yeah. in the text from the teacher yeah. to the parents and uh and that's he a won a Nobel prize yeah. <laughs> i think wow. uh, we have to have wow. more science communicators yeah. and we have to have more uh, uh encouragements uh, towards the STEM fields yeah. so that uh, we can have more of those, uh, we can tap more into yeah. that human creativity uh, towards these uh, STEM related. Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, even myself, uh, as much as I loved science, I, I, I really was quite afraid of the uh, mathematical or maybe the um, necessary, uh, you know, it, it, it becomes kind of a silly, uh, image that we have of these STEM related fields. That is, these, these are yeah. difficult. You have to be, a, I don't know what kind of a genius to pursue it. That's totally yeah, yeah. That's really yeah. not the case. I mean, you learn along the way. Yeah. Uh, there are so many nice people to ask from when you need a help and uh, you can uh, just research some uh, through the internet, you'll find so many resources and uh, there, the possibilities are endless. Just reading the books. I mean, uh, it's not that difficult. Not that I mean, difficult. it's a myth. Well, it's, it seems like, a, seems like a field where failure is encouraged because then you oh, just yes. know, okay, I just need to change the variable to get maybe a different result. And I can just keep exactly. experimenting, get it better. Exactly. 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 That's so true. Yeah. Uh, some of the best discoveries come from ex- uh, accidents. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. true. Wow. Well, th- this has been a fantastic conversation. I, oh, yes. Thank Absolutely. you so much for, for joining me. I know it's late by you guys. I, I appreciate you, you guys so coming on and, and having this great chat. Um, thank you so much we we truly appreciate uh, the talk that we have had and uh, we look forward to your Istanbul visit yeah (laughs) let us know when you come by (laughs) yes absolutely yeah thanks again that was a great night note to go on and go out on and uh, thank you so much this has been so like mind expanding I appreciate (laughs) it thanks for listening to Rich Conversations I hope this conversation has been beneficial to you to also expand your perspective of the world and what is possible and how exciting the world is. Um, Enjoy today and let's create the future.